virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a Welcome to For Fox Sake, my name is Pete Selby and I am back in the Selby studio you might say, um, although it actually is a location where I do some commentary so it is a, a football studio of some sort, uh, but it, back in my normal place, back from the Blind Football World Cup, uh, congratulations to Argentina who won in the penalty shootout against China in a desperately poor semi-final uh, but the semi-finals were great and Brazil turned up too late and finished third. But it was a really good, fantastic tournament in uh, in Birmingham, and yeah, and it worked quite well. That podcast actually, when I, I was roaming around in the sunshine, it it, uh, it sounded pretty good. So I'm back here, Rob Hayes. You're back uh, in your normal location as well. So this is reasonably, I'd probably say, the most normal podcast that we've done of the season so far because we're not abroad, we're not on location, we're in our normal place. So it should be the best. No pressure that we've done so far. Yeah, and the reason it should be the best that we've done so far, uh, in addition to all of those things, is that Leicester City continue to win football matches and sign exciting-looking players and offload players that aren't in Maresca's plans. So here we are with, like you say, the most normal podcast so far, even though it feels like five minutes ago since we did the last one, and I think there's been three games and about seven transfers in and out. So it's not normal in some ways, but settle in because we've got a lot to cover in the next hour or so yes um i think we should just start with the signings rob um today we have signed uh abdul uh i think we're gonna go or fatawu well i don't i've not heard him say his own name and uh, so we haven't got confirmed yet but uh from sporting lisbon or sporting um a very exciting winger there's a, a chap at work who's a an expert on portuguese football which is handy, and um, I said, well, we've signed a sporting winger today, and he span round in his chair, oh, all right, and I asked him about him, and he had no idea, so <laughs> I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, no, he did, he, he, he says, um, he, he, it just hasn't, it, it's not like it hasn't worked for him, kind of, it, it's the fact that when he's played, he's played well, but because sporting are the club that they are, and there's so many transfers in and out of the club all the time because they are it's a it's a, a fantastic gateway for players from South America, for example, to then play in Europe, etc., and then get picked off by the big clubs. We've seen that over the years. That's um that the the turnover's huge in terms of staff and also players. So it could just not have worked out for him at that this current time. But a very exciting player. Um and we've signed him today on a loan for the season and I believe um, there will be a clause in if we do decide to sign him it will be for around £15 million so that's the new signing from Sporting and then I suppose we should really then kind of move on to other signings and then we've gone and signed another winger haven't we but this time from Turkey which 
hasn't really worked out in the in the uh, in the recent past, has it? No, it hasn't. And if you're looking at our history of left-footed right wingers, then the only one that has worked in in the last say eight to ten years is is Riyad Mahrez, and and then Anthony Kadokart before him. Since then, we've been through some some tripe, really, haven't we? Or some that haven't quite got there. But you know, these these two lads are coming into the championship. It's it's different. They're coming into a a different system to the one that Leicester have played previously. And yeah, I think grouping them together in in one sense is is a good idea because there's there's every chance that those two are going to be sort of rotated. Um, with each other on the right hand side, and, and then possibly Wanya and and Maketeer on the left, because Maresca quite clearly likes to play uh, where possible wingers on their opposite flanks. The um, the Turkish lad Yunus, he he looked decent when he when he came on against Tranmere in the week. Uh, it was Tranmere. Let's be perfectly honest about that. But he was involved. He was busy. He was involved in both of the goals. Um, not the direct assist, but what an American would call a secondary assist, where he passed it to the bloke that made the assist both times. So, Lovely. you know, heavy involvement on, in that sense. Um, played a bit for Galatasaray, Turkish international, so reasonably good pedigree, and an international player signed in the championship. And this other lad, um, Fatawu, will go with for now. Uh, Ghanaian international, made a bit of a cameo off the bench in the World Cup. Um yeah, it surprises me that your Portuguese mate doesn't know anything about him because I've spent the afternoon looking him up on YouTube. I know that's always... Uh, they, they only ever put the good bits on YouTube, but he, he, he looks quite tidy. And I found this um, article from The Guardian a couple of years ago that picked him out as pretty much the hottest prospect in African football uh, when he was playing... In- oh, you've, you, you've, you've picked... A- oh, go on, you carry on. I've got this down, yep. Well, yeah, so, I mean, he's not been in, in Europe that long. Um, he looks like quite a strong fellow. I think my issue sometimes with a winger that likes to cut inside is sometimes they're quite lightweight and then they come inside and then sort of it's quite easy for the defender to just nudge him off the ball. Uh, Rashid Gazal was was one of the worst for that. He was uh, Mares was to begin with um, until he sort of switched on a bit and, and bulked out a little bit and then uh, realised that actually he didn't need to outmuscle anybody because he had the the sort of quick feet and the the drop of the shoulder to do that so two exciting players but I think the fact is they're not neither of them I don't think are going to be expected to come in and play the remaining 40 odd games of the championship they're going to be rotated in and out there's a lot of games as we've seen already so I wouldn't say it's no pressure but it's a chance for them to to find their feet alongside those two young wingers and Mark Albrighton and I think that's probably business done for for wide attacking players yeah um just a yeah i i i agree that that article by the way it's well we're finding it was uh, essentially who the the hottest prospect in african football what 2021 um so you know a while ago now but then again the guy was only 17 at the time uh so he's 19 fatawu and uh so and then you got um Eunice, who's what 23 um, I'm just looking up actually. Fatawu, I, I must admit it passed me over that he was actually at the World Cup. Obviously, I was there and I did a few Ghanaian games. I didn't do the game against Uruguay. He came on in the 98th minute um, for his only. We've appearance. signed a World but Cup still, player, Pete. He, Doesn't matter. The the finer details are irrelevant. 
Well, that's true, but this guy is 19 years old. So for him to be included in the Ghanaian squad um, alongside Daniel Amati and uh, and a few other illustrious players, it's it's that's a big thing. Um, about, I mean, we've seen nothing, have we? Um, so we'll wait and see. I thought the Turkish uh, guy, Yunus, I thought he looked, I think tidy is the best word for it. Um, being able to just... To, to stroll around with an air of calmness and to to cross uh to play cross field passes and to just look tidy was i think what everyone wanted to see say on a debut um it's quite difficult i mean it's difficult with every player in any position to try and match them up against a previous player because it's it's ridiculous to do so but then you look at like Chengiz under had obvious skill set of being very quick and being very direct but being having no end product people say oh he's got a cannon for a foot yeah but the cannon's poked into the sky it's it's just it's going to go miles over the bar pretty much but this guy from the outset I, I just looked at him and went do you know what if you were a very good player and you went into that game just to knock the ball around etc that's pretty much how you would play so I, I'm I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by hearing about the fact that he's um, apparently, in terms of his personality, a really good egg, like a very nice guy and um, works hard, no trouble, all that sort of thing. You know, no history of that. But to the point of it's actually signposted that he's a, he's a good lad. So that's something, isn't it? Um, in the kind of Connor Cody-esque way, isn't it? You, you, when people say about Connor Cody, one of the first things they say, actually, he's a really good bloke. That's, you know, and that's apparently with this guy. So we'll see how he gets on. And then you look at the other guy, um, Fatawu, and yeah, he's he's 19. This guy's a, he's built, isn't he? He is powerful. Um, apparently, a bit more direct, and as you would imagine, with someone built like that, very powerful shot. Again, who knows? We'll wait and see. But yeah, I, I like the look of them. They're, they're very different. Um, and I like the look of the the, the deal set up. Um, Yunus, the, the, the Turkish guy, what, 25 games we've got, um, or 24 games on loan. And then if we play the 25th game, then we sign him for, I think it's 15 million roughly. And then the other guy, um, Fatuwu, is essentially 15 million quid. I think it's for a at the end of the season with a you know a season long loan so yeah bring it bring them on bring them bring them in and in a very interesting way because you you would say rob if i was to ask you and i've kind of led you down the down the path here in a, in a way um with the answer but we've just brought in two wingers yet you could easily say that the highlights of the season in terms of players have been our wide players our youngsters um i've just Pat myself on the back with the old Casey McAteer um, mention in our previous podcast, saying he, I was really encouraged by his displays. He got a little bit of not grief, but there was a few question marks about maybe his lack of finishing and etc. But I, I I love the way he played. I, I think he looks a very exciting player, very quick, um, skillful. He just looks a good player, and then hopefully the rest will come. And well, it did, didn't it, against Rotherham. Um, so I was delighted for him, but um, we'll just carry on on the on the transfer front. Um, so them they've come in, but players have left. Um, 
Timothy Castagna has gone to Fulham and Luke Thomas has gone on loan to a Premier League club in Sheffield United. Uh, two very, very contrasting deals. Um, probably both absolutely needed as well. Castagna, I'd imagine, has made it clear that he didn't want to be here this season and he's gone for, I would say, probably about the right amount of money, what, 12 to 15 million pounds. Um, you would imagine if he was in the Premier League with Leicester, then that would have been nearer 20 million or more possibly. Um, but still, good money. But the fact that he's gone, I don't think it's a problem because of the way that we're playing and the shape of the team and, and, and the way that Moresco wants to play. And also, and number one, he doesn't really want to be here. Yeah, we've binned off a few fullbacks, haven't we? Because they don't fit into this style of play. With Castagna, you, we, he, our favourite thing to watch him do was bomb on on the outside uh, and get forward. Whereas in this new system, that's not really an option. You either tuck inside and play as one of the three centre-backs or you show enough ability on the ball to move into central midfield. And clearly, I don't think Castagna is going to be excellent at either. He also said very early doors in the summer that he didn't want to be here anymore. And then, therefore, I am assuming that he's not one of the six that Maresca um, said had had sort of done a bit of a U-turn. So it was inevitable, really, that he would go. Uh, Luke Thomas is an interesting one in some ways, but real, realistically, if you look at Leicester and Sheffield United and you got them two to play a match against each other at the minute, Leicester would win. I, I've got very little doubt about that. The Sheffield United fans that live on my street if they can hear this, will probably disagree with me. But Leicester are a better team than Sheffield United. I strongly believe that. They'll come straight back down. And then you, you decide what to do with Luke Thomas. Then it, whether Maresca thinks that this system will be the same that will be employed in the Premier League next year. Yes, I'm saying when, not if. Uh, or if, if it becomes a little bit more conventional again and he needs a full back back, then Luke Thomas might come back to, to the Leicester squad. But... We've had our reservations about him on this podcast for a long time and we did say that us dropping into the championship would probably give him a chance to to sort of become a bit more accustomed to senior football, shall we say, because he still looks like a kid on a football pitch. And if I'm a Sheffield United fan, I'm not looking at that signing with any real hope, to be honest with you. I'm surprised he's gone to a Premier League side. Um, I don't see him fitting back in at Leicester when he comes back. And you know what? I quite like the almost ruthlessness that Maresca has employed here. He's come in and he's got... We, we, and we said before he was even signed as a manager, we said the new manager needs to have fresh ideas. They need to be able to get a grip of Seagrave straight, straight away. They need to be able to look at the squad and make strong decisions uh, and he's done all of that based on his philosophy of football. And there is no point in keeping players like Christiansen, who's gone to Bologna, uh, Thomas and Castagna, who clearly don't fit into the system. Um, you know, Christiansen, I, I would I would suggest with time, possibly might be better suited to play in the role that Doyle's been playing recently uh, in terms of if you line it up on a, on a tactics board, it's four at the back and he's left back. But then as soon as we're in possession, tucking in to be the left side of a th back three. I could I could potentially see Christensen doing that. But again, he might not want to because he strikes me as the kind of fullback that's similar to Castagna and likes to, to overlap in a sort of 
conventional fullback role, really, that is um, very quickly going out the window, the conventional fullback role, isn't it? From uh, Pep Guardiola, you know, Trent's doing it at, at Liverpool and, you know, we're doing it here at Leicester as well. So they, they just don't fit for footballing reasons or in terms of wanting to be at Leicester anymore. So it, it's good. And usually I'd stand here a day before the end of the transfer window and say that moving these players out so late is detrimental. But I don't think it is because Christensen's not featured in a in a match day squad, really. Uh, neither has Luke Thomas, apart from sort of dropping in and out of the bench. Uh, and Castagna has been on and off the bench, but it's been very clear for a while that he's not going to be at the club anymore. So it's not like these players have gone and we need to sign a replacement. These players were always going. I'm sure of that on Maresca's plan. And they are content that probably one central defender aside, those players don't need replacing. So it's not like a last-minute scramble to chuck three out the door and bring in whoever. Leicester's business, I think, has been very astute this this transfer window. And we're not going to deadline day tomorrow with the usual trepidation. Well, <laughs> um, it's interesting because we're doing this obviously a day before the transfer window. Um, I'm just looking down the list actually of players we've we've, we've let go. I think when we get a um, maybe an international week or we get a, a, a bit of downtime, we'll we'll talk more about maybe Madison and Barnes. But overall, um, rough calculations because these my list is in euros, but um, we're about sixty million in the plus in the green in terms of uh, income to expenditure so you know madison barnes uh castagna these going for money uh george hurst of course going for money as well christian Simbrook was brought in uh, let go sorry for a million pound uh, loan fee um and then of course you're taking money off the the, the wage bill uh tienemans soyunchu amati perez evans uh mendy Bertrand, Tete, it, it, there's a, that's a lot of money being taken off. And then you look at Luke Thomas obviously going um, off as well. So that's a, a lot of money has been brought in by the football club and also saved on wages. Um, being brought in at the moment, uh, you've got Winks, Cody, uh, Mavadidi, uh, Hermanson, the goalkeeper, um, and then the, the loan signings, um, which at the moment we've got four. Um, so Yunus, the, uh, the the Turkish winger, uh, Fatu, who I mentioned, Doyle and um, Cassade as well. Y- you look at what we've done, and I think it's been pinpointed. I think it's been a professional is probably the wrong word, but you, you get what I mean. Y- you can see why the, uh, the, they've been brought in. So often in the last few years, that they'll sign a player, and you think, hang on, like. Is is that actually a player that we need, or actually are they are they good enough for a team whose standards we know are at a certain level, and, and this could be a step or two below? Um, Winks and Cody, we know obviously Cody's good enough, but when he comes back injured, Winks has been been superb. Mavididi's looked exciting out wide and and looks to be enjoying his football, and and hopefully with more improved play going forward and better cohesion in this system then the goals will start flowing and but he's looked a good player goalkeeper not got a problem with at all and then you've got these exciting players uh, being brought in on the wing Cassidy I think is going to be a very good player 
Um, and I, I can see just getting stronger and maturing throughout the season. Um, and who knows, and Doyle as well, but who knows with the wingers. I don't think the business has been done in terms of leaving and in terms of coming in. Um, just to touch on one or two, Christiansen you mentioned, shame because he looks a really good player, but then again, this is the situation at Leicester, isn't it? We've completely changed the way we're playing and we've completely changed everything behind the scenes. And it was needed. It was completely needed. So if a player is just no longer part of the plans, who was deemed by the supporters as being actually one for the future or good enough to be playing now or even a very exciting player, like, say, Christiansen, then that's just the way it is. He's got to go. Um, you look at someone like Harry Suter, surely will be on his way out maybe tomorrow. If you're looking in your championship club, even maybe even a premiership club looking, hang on, we need another centre-half, maybe on loan or something like why not? But um, So it's a shame, but the one thing with Christensen is you're going to get money for him. So if he goes to Bologna and has an excellent campaign, well, if we get promoted, we're going to get a player who's had a full season playing and you never know, he could develop into a, a, a different type of player or we can then sell him for good money and, and reinvest it. So it's not really an issue. Thomas... Um, Everyone knows my thoughts on Thomas. I, I could not understand why he was being played last season at times because it was there was no confidence at all. But not being able to kick a ball straight. Um, yes, felt sorry for the lad, but we're playing professional football here in a relegated team for a relegated team. It was it was shoddy from worse than that. It was it was absolutely piss poor to be honest by by Rogers and. Um, to, to be playing him in, in those cup games, etc., and then in the Premier League. Since then, he's gone and won a trophy with England. And who knows, he might grow up, he might develop into the player. I always thought Ben Chilwell was going to be, you know, too kind of weak as a player. And, you know, look how he's kind of improved as he's got older. So maybe Thomas might go the right way. There is a player there. He's an FA Cup winner. He played in the FA Cup final. So, and he's well, kind of half set up the goal in a way. So it's um, it's very... It's very strange that he's gone from a championship club on loans to a Premier League club. I think that, as you kind of alluded to, I think that speaks more about Sheffield United than Leicester. And from a Leicester fan's point of view, I think it's a tremendous loan. I think it's brilliant. He's going to play in the Premier League um, for Sheffield United and this could be the making of him. The move might be the making of him. Being away from Leicester and playing hard football in the Premier League for a team who are going to be fighting and scrapping and a different style of football, you never know. It might be the making of him and we might get a different player. But again, this is a player who will be worth money from the youth team. And again, if if it's something that we may be looking to bring in money to sign player XY to play in the Premier League next year, then again, it's money. So I, I can't see it being a bad thing at all. And as you alluded to as well, um, the fact that we're not playing with those fullbacks as, as we've known for the last number of years at the football club bombing forward if they're not the sort of player who can adapt to other positions like a James Justin or especially Ricardo then off you go and in someone like Castagna's case off he goes um good player again FA Cup winner but there you go it, it, a bit found wanting last year for me to be honest um nodded off on the back post many occasions and he didn't want to be here. You saw that in the games, in especially against Liverpool. He did not want to be on that pitch. 
in that preseason game. So, uh, yeah, off he goes. No worries. I. So that's the business done now, and very, very encouraged by the players being brought in and the positions that they are. Much changed squad. Really is different, isn't it? It's amazing. But, Rob, we've still got, as we sit here right now, just over 24 hours to go. Um, Can you see any more coming in and going out? From a personal point of view, I think so, both ways. Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's been very clear that Leicester are looking for another centre-back. I'm quite surprised, really, about uh, Harry Souter uh, and and the Vestergaard situation because I I don't particularly rate Vestergaard. I think he's done all right this season. He's still been uh, exposed a little bit for pace, particularly in the first game against against Coventry. He got absolutely had his pants pulled down a few times. Uh, I know he's in the team because he's a decent ball player, and he and he's come out and spoken on in de- Danish media this week and said that he that he's enjoying playing football regularly. He didn't really expect to be at Leicester, but actually, you know, the injury to Cody has made sure that he's kind of found his feet, and he said he likes to be that ball playing the deeper of the of the defenders, a ball playing one, and you know he's 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 done all right so far, but. Suter, from what we've seen of him so far, struck me as a very similar kind of player. You've still got the aerial power there. You uh, he looked fairly tidy with the ball at his feet. Maybe he's slightly better at the longer balls than the than the shorter, more intricate ones, and that's probably where Maresca's looking at it. And obviously, you know, he sees him in training every single day, so he will he will have his reasons for for not including him in squads. And you know, even sort of Ben Nelson from the academies getting the the nod in, in the League Cup ahead of him. So Suter will be out. I I think they'd just be making sure that they get the right sort of terms for that for that particular move. Um I thought he would be a, a good a, a good player for Leicester in the championship, but again we weren't necessarily expecting to see this style before Maresca came in because Suter was one of the ones when we were looking through what was going to be the bare bones of a squad um post Premier League season and saying Suter, yeah, solid centre back can see him playing 46 games and getting in the championship team of the year, can't you? And and here we find ourselves a few months later. Um, he's very much uh, in the cold, if you like. Um, there's there's a lot of noise around Wilfred and Didi, Bayern Munich, Nottingham Forest. I mean, if you looked at Ndidi when he scored his goal against uh, against Tranmere in the week, I know it's, he's playing at, at Prenton Park on a Tuesday night in the t- second round of the League Cup. It's not exactly glamorous, is it, for... For a player that that still hasn't quite reached those heights, but we think there is a player in there that should be playing in the, in Europe's top five leagues. You know, it's not the greatest thing, and he, he sort of blew kisses to the crowd and all sorts. and And ninety five percent of me is saying that's indeed he enjoying his football. He's staying at Leicester because I quite I quite like him in this role. I mean, people are saying he's got limited end product, but he got the assist for for Vardy by getting to the byline. He scored whether he meant to or not. The, the strike of the ball was lovely. He stuck it top bins against Burton. I, I quite like him in the in the all action up and down uh box to box midfield role. I'd be I'd be actually I'd be sad to see him leave. I'm hoping he's one of the six that has said that he wants to stay. Uh, I'm hoping he sees that he's important. I'm hoping he doesn't think Cazadeh's gonna steal his shirt and therefore it he might as well take this move to the Prem rather than being frozen out of a championship squad. Um, I would also like to think that Wilfred and Deedee spent long enough at Leicester City to not bother going to Nottingham Forest when 
again, I know I'm being a little bit bold here and I slagged off Sheffield United earlier, but next season, I think it's very likely that Leicester will finish a good few places above Nottingham Forest if indeed the two teams are in the same division anyway. So I don't see Forest as that much of an upward step. And I'm not saying that from a, I'm a Leicester fan, I hate Forest. I'm saying that from a, when we get back in the Premier League next season, I expect us to be fairly comfortable and I just can't see Forrest doing the same. So, Ndidi to Forrest would be a weird one. Ndidi to Bayern Munich would make an awful lot of sense. If Bayern Munich are coming in and Ndidi's going, well, the gaffer keeps bringing me off after 60 minutes, put Kazaday on, or, you know, I'm, I'm fighting with this young Italian fella, might as well go Bayern Munich. Well, if you're Ndidi, what are you doing? You're going, aren't you? It's 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 strange. I, I think with Ndidi, it's a... Uh... It's difficult because as much as he is, you know, exciting in that kind of up and down role in the kind of, you're not quite sure what he's going to do. and pretty sure he doesn't quite know what he's going to do mode. It's, you, you're, you're missing out on Wilfred Ndidi in the championship. Even an 80% of what we know he can do in the championship is still a very good player. So in terms of the Leicester side, do, do I don't want to lose him because for this season, but... I, I I then look and go well. If someone's going to pay twenty five million quid for him, then and we and we're going to use that money, maybe even on that day to to sign someone, maybe a centre forward. Who knows? Or maybe even have it in the background and see where we are in January, which I know is a long way off and a, a very dangerous thing to do. But you never want to leave yourself short. But if that money can be turned into maybe a bit of a deal for, say, a McAtee from uh, Manchester City, who has been rumoured to be joining, well, do you take the money and take that option and then, again, have that money in reserve? What did I say? 60 million quid. That turns into £85 million profit. And then who knows who might go as well. You could be looking at Leicester making a profit in the transfer window of £100 million. And then going, well, we're doing well at the moment. We've got a side who should really be competing at the top in the championship come January. And then you can make a real push. They might well be in a very good position in the league. And you might be signing players with a view to the Premier League already. And that would be a, a, a tremendously exciting position to be in. Um, the whole Forest thing, I don't think really matters. Especially when you're in a different league. I know we're top and they're struggling and I completely agree with you about, say, next season. And But I'm just thinking if you're Wilfred Ndidi and Forrest are going to give you a lot of money and a four-year contract and are going to sign you for 25 million quid, that means you're playing. You know, you're not going to be on the bench. And I, I understand what you're saying he's been at the club for a while, but I just don't think that really matters. You know, if you're going to play Premier League football it's an easy move to make and, and I don't think Leicester fans will be too worried anyway so um, so that's Ndidi but there's other players um, and I've said all along I said at the end of last season the num- one of the main players that we need to keep and it'd be great if we do and I still sat here what 24 hours plus away from the deadline being closed I'm still really concerned that he's going to go and that's Kelechi Nacho. I, I, it's surely if you're ever, I mean, Everton can't buy a goal. You know, they've, they've bought some guy for, I know he scored the other day, but 
they're an absolute mess. Surely someone like Ianacho, Ianacho would be what fifteen million quid, maybe more, and you could give him all sorts of bonuses. And and if you're Everton now, you're signing players with survival bonuses in their contract now. You know you keep us up mode. So you you you'll probably go. Dakar, that's interesting. Then that it's gone quiet. It, it seemed like. And there was noise around him moving to Bournemouth. Big noise from many different outlets. So that still might happen. Um, and if that's 25 million quid, again, he's not in the plans, is he? He's not been playing. So surely that deal needs to be done. I'd imagine someone like Dakar, if, if if the deal doesn't go through, surely would put his head down and play. He, he seems like that sort of person. But, you know, we don't know him personally, do we? Um, but Ian Acho is the key for me if... We had to lose one or two of those three. It would be Ndidi and Daka for me, and we keep Ianacho. Uh, uh, yeah, Kelechi Ianacho. That that would be what I think. Yeah, my issue is if 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 Daka goes, I don't necessarily think that we need to bring in a replacement. Yes, I know that only leaves you with two strikers in Ianacho and Vardy, uh, but Mavadidi can play sort of a little bit more central if you need him to, and we've now added a couple more wingers, so that wouldn't leave us light in, in the wider positions. Um, I, I think Ianacho is is central to this team, and unless there is a backup plan of somebody basically where we're hovering over the the uh, the send button for the for the final offer for another striker, then I don't see how Leicester can let Kalecci and Acho go because Vardy is not now physically capable of starting every game. Vardy is also not the best fit for this system that requires the striker to play a little bit more with their back to goal, allow the two wide forwards to go in a little bit further behind and and and, and the runners from midfield as well. Vardy's been reasonably effective. As he'll always put himself about. He'll always put a shift in. He got his first goal of the season against Tranmere, so hopefully that will uh, sort of remind him where the back of the net is again. But Ian Acho is massively important, and and I know I said probably about ten fifteen minutes ago on this podcast that losing the players that we have done in the last few days won't have a, an impact on Leicester's business. They won't. He would. Hundred percent, he would. Leicester cannot lose Ianacho and not sign another striker and you would really like to think that that these conversations are happening behind the scenes and that there is a striker who's ready to go I mean Pirro ended up going to Leeds from Swansea we were heavily linked with him uh so it's that that is the one that's the one I'm worried about indeed if he went I think Maresca would like a replacement and I think most of us would but at the same time, there are probably just about enough players in the squad that could that could fill the void. I really don't think we would cope very well without Ian Acho. I, I think if Daka doesn't go, then I don't see him featuring very much for Leicester anyway. Maresca does not look like the kind of player, uh, kind of manager that puts players in just because it's a senior player and he's there and he's earning money. Uh, if the club can't sell him and he's asked them to sell him. I don't think he's the kind of bloke that's going to think. Well, I'll put him in just for the fun of it. He's third choice striker. He don't. He'd only get a game then if Vardy and Nianacho were both unavailable. So, I, like you said, like you said, I don't see him causing a problem, Daka. I see him working hard and trying to get a move again in January. But Ianacho's the big one. I, I I think Leicester should be keeping hold of him. But you know, 
reports today that Palace are in for him as well. Um, their valuation is a bit lower than Leicester's at the moment and you don't know what's going to happen in the next 24 hours as to will Leicester's valuation come down a little bit? Will Palace increase the bid a little bit? Will he go? I, I, I think it'd be a big, big loss, Ianacho, because he's very important to this team and I, I can see him comfortably getting 15, 20 goals in this system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, I mean, the, late, the latest player just being linked with Leicester is Sidney Van Hooydonk, with a um, familiar name that is, over at Bologna. So there's the possible link with the fact that Christiansen's gone there, centre-forward. Um, Leicester keeping tabs on that after a four move to Wolfsburg's falling through. Um, so who knows? And of course, you've got, you've got your goalkeeper situation as well. Um, we've got Daniel Everson, um, Alex Smithies and Danny Ward looking like they're numbers three, four and five in whatever order you think. So Leicester can't surely have the five goalkeepers um, going into this, you know, after the transfer window. So surely it's um, it's going to be the case that one of them or maybe two really uh, will go out, probably on loan, but who knows? So there's a few interesting uh, moves to come, really. it's uh, I, I think James McAtee's the, the one for me. I can see that happening. Maybe on one of these deals where it, it is possibly a loan with a view to a move. It depends how many loans we get. I'm not entirely sure what the deal uh, He has been there quite heavily linked with a return to Sheffield United, though, McAtee, where he was on loan last season. And would, would they rather him be playing in the Premier League? Not to poo-poo it, because I'd like him at Leicester, but that's a possible option. Yeah, it's um, it's just very encouraging, and it's it's so different. And eventually, we're going to have to get this out of. Well, I'm saying this for myself. Get this out of our system of how different, you know, the the, the personnel, the style is at, at Leicester. It's ridiculous. The game against Rotherham. Um, again, you look at the second goal, really well taken by by um by McAtee. It was, it was a, not the greatest first. They moved it onto his left, and a, a great finish. So fantastic that he scored his second. You know, couldn't miss with his first great chip by Inacho from the um, from the byline. But the move beforehand, it just spoke of everything that Leicester is. If you want to kind of say, "Oh, how are Leicester doing this season?" You're like, "Here, you are. check out this second goal against Rotherham. That's how Leicester have been playing, and maybe not always finishing it off that way, but just really, really encouraging. The fact that the team are winning with late goals by one goal, and they have." nowhere near the finished article um difficult games coming up on the horizon you've got games against the likes of Southampton or obviously I've seen uh, an awful lot of this season and the likes of Norwich who have started um quite well and are right up there in the league as well even at this early stage they're the next two after the whole game at home on Saturday away to Southampton and then um away to Norwich two difficult games before we welcome uh, a Mr Pearson back to the King Power uh, when Bristol City arrived towards the end of uh, September. So some difficult games coming up, but at the moment, um, it's just all hunky-dory. You've got a draw against Liverpool in the League Cup and everything that comes with that. Um, <laughs> my friends at the the, Anf- the Anfield Rap will probably be in touch, Rob, for you know probably the only time this season unless we get them in the, league, in the uh, FA Cup as well. Um, I was telling the story actually at work about how uh, when when we lost on penalties um, in that it's always a feisty game, but 
in a game which we how we lost or how we didn't win was was incredible. It was when Ndidi misjudged that really high ball, um, and they scored late on to go to penalties. Um, Madison scored a brilliant goal, and it was, but it they couldn't understand. They 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 were so annoyed. They were seething at his celebration. He slid on his knees, Madison, when he scored. And I just oh, I must have missed something. I don't know where you remember this, but so I, I, I mentioned it on on the podcast, and I says they they were really incensed. And I was like, I went back and looked at the goal, and Madison pretty much slid on his knees where he scored from. He was he was in just outside the or just inside the penalty area, pretty much when he slid on his knees. It wasn't in front of the cop, you know, putting his hands to his ears and putting his finger over his lips and all that sort of thing. It was the most innocuous little slide after scoring a thirty yard um, stunner. And they 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 were like the disrespect because I could not understand what they were talking about. It was mad, but of course because they won the game, you didn't really have a kind of a um, a foot to stand on. So it would be uh, it'll be great to get one over them. But yeah, interesting game. Obviously, we were completely outclassed in the preseason friendly, and it's a it's a free hit, isn't it? It's a, a swing and see what happens. Um, it would be a, a trip for the fans to go to Anfield to to basically say, well, we're back next year. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's just temporary that we're down in the championship. So it could have been a better draw because we were left in and in the hat when we were drawn out with the likes of Peterborough and Mansfield. So at one stage, I thought we might get a a, a local team and a, and a nice route through to the to the fourth round. And then you're starting to really think, aren't you? Yeah, and a cup run would be nice. It still would be nice. It's still possible. I think Liverpool will be looking at their schedule and their their squad I don't think looks as as deep as it has done in previous years and they might be thinking well we'll we'll rotate a few here and there still don't get me wrong they're going to be bringing in some real quality players but I also don't think that we will see the void that there was in the summer in the pre-season friendly I, I, I understand very clearly they're two completely different games but Leicester are much further along with their tactical journey if you like than they were at that point uh, and that's largely down to the fact that Maresca has managed to be managed to bring in more players that fit the style in pre-season he was basically trying to give minutes to players to get their their fitness up he was sort of trying out players in positions to see what uh, are you in my plans or not he was using players that he knew would be moved on um, because they needed the minutes for pre-season and he didn't have anybody else but you know now that it's his recruits are in and his style of play is starting to uh, be more natural for them, I think we'll give Liverpool a decent game, especially as it's probably quite likely to be televised away at Anfield's always a good atmosphere. And I think the Leicester players will be well up for it, um, especially if uh, if this winning run continues. And you mentioned briefly about the, the more the, the more late goals coming in um, and and I think that's a, a massive bonus for Leicester because at the minute they're getting, let's say, 80 minutes into a game and maybe the result, the scoreline's not quite what they want it to be, whether they're drawing or losing. And there's no panic. There's no thinking, oh, we're not going to win this or we're not going to get out of this. It's stick to the system, keep playing our football, keep trusting everybody and we'll get that goal. And that's not necessarily something that you can teach players. That's something that, now that they've experienced it in pretty much every game so far, next game, Hull on Saturday, 
let's say they frustrate Leicester for 75, 80 minutes. Maybe they get a goal on the breakaway because Leicester in sort of defensive transition still, I don't think, are, are, are that good. There won't be any panic. And it's it's nice that the players are starting to see that. And the more they play with each other, the more we keep winning football matches and scoring these late goals, the more they're going to believe it, the more times it's going to happen and it's just going to sort of roll and roll. And we spoke very early on in the season on this podcast about momentum. I think it was probably in the preview that, that I said that if, if we don't start well, then it could be a bit sticky to begin with, but they'll get into their groove. Um, I did say that there will be a patch at some point in the season where it just doesn't work. Uh, and they have to try a few new faces or a few new t- tweaks to to get back to winning ways. That's still going to happen. Of course, there's 46 games in a championship season. Um, but I'm pleased that I've been proved wrong with the with the start so far. And I know we've said it a few times already, but I think if, if Leicester have won six games in a row playing like this, it's by no means bad at all. But you can see that there is a lot more to come. So it's... Uh, Let's let's see if we can get uh, break break some sort of club record on consecutive wins. I know we've broken one in terms of from the start of the season, but I wonder you've you've got one of them big fat Leicester history books, haven't you? What's what's the record of of uh, successive wins for Leicester City? We'll have to look that up. Somebody will know who's listening anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I'll find that. Um. Well, it, against Hull, it's nice and easy. If you were uh, if in doubt, just try and ping it in from the halfway line, like uh, Joey Good Johnson did. Uh, in the mid 2000s in a very poor Leicester team what a goal that was um i think it was there actually i remember it, I, I was definitely there watching that um but yeah that was a uh, a goal against hull in uh, in what we well, mentioned nigel pearson earlier nigel pearson derby of course former uh, hull manager but um yeah strange side of hull actually they've made plenty of signings there was a bit of noise about them actually there being a, a possible outsider for um for the playoffs which of course still might may happen Got off to a, a poor start, lost their first two games. Lost away at Norwich, so I think it was a late goal, and then they lost at home to Doncaster, which is a poor result. And then they've bounced back with two wins against Sheffield Wednesday and then away at Blackburn, and then they drew at home against Bristol City. So they've got a record of uh, played, uh, what, five, won two, lost two, and drawn one. So uh, they are, you know, bang mid-table, really, mid-to-high table. So... Uh, it's it's a strange game to preview, really, because you're looking at it purely from a Leicester point of view. You're playing at home against Hull. You're unbeaten in the Football League. You're the only team in the Football League that are completely unbeaten. There's one team in the Premier League. I was classified as being slightly different, but there you go. So the Premier League have got Man City. Football League have got Leicester. Um, I can't see any reason at all why this can't be another home win. Um. You mentioned about us not being, you know, at full hundred percent, which is amazing, really, to have this record. But just shows you the possibilities and and the style of play and the players that we've got. That you know, you're just looking at more, more, more. It will come to a head where we will turn someone over. Um, you can win a game of football by four goals to nil and still actually not play very well, and then play better in a two-one scrappy home win. That 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 happens. We've all seen that a million times, but. You just look at Leicester in this fixture and it's not a guaranteed win. It's not a guaranteed points. But I'd love to see Leicester score early and then play the sort of football that we've been seeing but have that bit between their teeth and play with aggression and with purpose in this Enzo style 
and really turn over a team. At the moment, I think at, mo at times they're, they're thinking about it, which is absolutely natural. They're thinking, this is what we've got to do. This is the way we've got to play. It's not as instinctive as hopefully it will be in weeks and months to come, where they'll have the option in their head of exactly what they're meant to be doing. But of course, if there's a ball down the line or an incisive pass or even a long ball, then that will be on and that will be done. At the moment, it, it seems like they've got the blueprint in their head and just because of the the quality of players that we've got and the sort of football we're playing, eventually it will create space and a chance. That's that's obviously happening. And there's it's not just one blueprint. There's always runners everywhere and players have got that ability to pick them out. And occasionally you might just get that all of a sudden there's a player from midfield bursting through. We've seen it on a number of occasions where it's either been Drewsby or Dennis Pratt on occasion has done that. And they've been thrown on goal. And you're like, well, hang on, how the hell is that worked? How has how has Pratt gone straight through against Huddersfield? It's purely on the build-up. All those changes in position, all those passing backwards and players moving into other position, and then passing it through again. It's all in the lead-up to the possibility of that runner from midfield going straight through. And because the defence reacts in certain ways, he could be clean through and on occasion that will work but there's two or three different options to try and pick out and I, and I just think when you play against a team who might get clouded by the movement they might get clouded by the king power in the occasion and just get over overran by Leicester those options will become so clear and the pass will then be precise and players will have those chances to score and and will end up putting them away because that's the only criticism so far really isn't it is the fact that it's only by a goal and it's by quite late goals, even though it's satisfactory and you're winning. I just love them to do that. And then you can turn around and go, right, here we go. We've got a proper proper team here who can then really kick on and and win consistently, not by a goal, but by a fair margin. Because you can't go for a full season winning by a goal. And no, we won't. You know, it's it's it's, it's obviously gonna be the case. We'll lose games, etc. But they need to have that in their locker because you got to have those games in the league where you convincingly win, even if it's two goals to nil, but you're dominating because you're going to have players replaced. You're all the subs in the world nowadays. Um, and of course, if you don't bring in the players, maybe with the experience, we've already done that with Winks and with Cody, etc. But if you're bringing in maybe a McAtee, for example, in that midfield, well, you've got... Um, two wingers, you've got Cassidy as well, all very young players. Um, you're looking at a long, hard season. And if you're scraping by teams by terms of scoreline, that would easily and quickly, in my eyes, turn towards draws and maybe struggling if you're not creating those chances and putting them away. Um, you do wonder whether they might go for a little bit of experience tomorrow in the transfer on transfer deadline day. We'll, we'll wait and see. But you get what I'm saying, Rob. By at the moment, it's all good. But I'd love them just to start to turn the screw when the opportunities arise. Purely because at the moment we haven't done that. This team hasn't done that. This group of players hasn't done that. And when they do, and they believe that they they can do that, and they know they can, and they've got it in their locker and they've got it in their history this season. That's when those. And you remember when we won the league under Nigel Pearson? You remember when we got promoted under uh, Mickey Adams and how many games were won by two goals to nil and we never looked like conceding and it was a really easy performance and easy for the players. And that was a completely different side. That was a different reason. They were quite an old team. 
but um, this time they're quite a young team, and 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 I'm just looking. I know I'm getting way ahead of myself. You know, the temperature's still okay. It's not the depths of winter, but um, I'd just like to see him just turn the screw. Maybe Saturday's the game. Yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from. To to win the title or to be in the, those top two places, you need uh, a lot more ruthlessness than we've shown already. You definitely need to be in more control of the game because you know some people would look at the stats and see the possession stats and see... Uh, Leicester have had a lot more of the ball than any of their opponents so it looks like they're in control of the game but there are times where the opponent is letting Leicester have the ball and therefore they're not really dictating the tempo because the the opponents are are, are well organized and and Leicester are keeping the ball without doing any real harm I mean we saw that we what didn't we win the Premier League with the lowest average uh, possession percentage across the the entire season uh, because and, and and you could argue that we were always in control of those games because every Leicester player knew where he needed to be and knew what the plan was as soon as they got the ball. So possession doesn't necessarily mean control. And without control and ruthlessness, I don't think you get promoted out of the championship. And there have been times, as I mentioned earlier, on, on transition where Leicester have looked completely out of control. As soon as the ball is turned over, they're a bit like, oh my God, I'm in this position here for when we were in the, with with the ball and uh, Maresca's plan requires me to be 50 yards in that direction instantly, which is where I still think there might be a little bit of a flaw uh, in the system. Um, it's all well and good when you've got the ball. The more often you've got the ball, the less likely that those things are to happen. But there are going to be teams that do cause you more problems. Um, so I agree with that sentiment. I, do I think it's going to happen this weekend? I'm, I'm a little bit more reserved on that point of view because... Uh, if you look at Hull, they've got basically four strikers who've all scored at least once this season, a few of them more uh, more times. So they've, they've, they're scoring goals early doors. They've got um, they've got Delap up front. They've got Connolly, uh, who was at Brighton last season, and a couple of others that have settled in well, Tufan and Estepinian. So, uh, and they look like they play two up top. So there are a couple of alarm bells ringing in my head thinking, hang on. Hull could could fancy this because if they play two up top and Leicester are only playing with three defenders, then you know that Hull get players forward in in transitions in those counter attacks, uh, and Leicester could be in all sorts of bother. So and and those players have all like I say scored this season. So it's not like you're carrying a striker in the Championship that's not scored for ten fifteen games. They've all found the back of the net already. So I think Hull will fancy themselves, and I can see why people have got them as a as a shout for for the playoffs. There's always one or two teams that maybe don't start as pre-season favourites, but you see them a few times, and you think, "Hang on, that these are quite a tidy, tidy outfit." And I think Hull are are one of those. So if we're looking at um, sort of previewing and predicting the game uh, and the outcome of it, I am going to hesitantly predict that Leicester's winning run is going to come to an end. Don't worry, I'm not going to predict them to lose. I think we've only ever done that once on this podcast in, what, 10 years. Um, I'm going for 2-2 because I think Hull have got goals in them, but I think Leicester will will find a way, as they have done all season so far, to make sure that there's a, there's a late goal in there and that they come away with at least a point. And let's be honest, remaining unbeaten for the first five games of the championship season would be great. Sorry, Rob. There's a little problem with the the line there. Um, I thought you said two two. Uh, can you just confirm? You heard me scores? completely correctly. 
Go on, what are you going for? It's quite often, we, we don't talk about this, we don't talk about anything we're going to say on the podcast before we actually start recording, because uh, we don't want to be influenced by each other's opinions, but usually we go for the same result and, and vary the scoreline. I'm presuming you're not going to go for a draw. No, I'm going to go for a home win. Don't be stupid. Um, I'm going to go for a home win, and I'm going to back up what I was saying earlier, actually, about Leicester t- turning over a side might sound a bit too much, but you, you get my drift out there. Um. I think um, I think this could be the game where Leicester actually kind of reverse things. I think they might might do their business early, and I was thinking three. I was still thinking one. You know, um, the 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 spaces at the back that hasn't quite been worked out yet. But I'm gonna go three nil. I'm gonna go three nil um, for Leicester, and uh, Gretzi Vardy on the score sheet. Presume obviously Kalechi will come in if he's still there, um, and you'd you'd like to see the centre for as much as anyone scores. It doesn't matter who scores. It could be three own goals for all I care. But I'd like to see Ianacho if he's still playing. Obviously, so Ianacho up front and scoring. You know, and all of a sudden, as much as the wingers, as much as Winks in midfield and the way Leicester are playing and. Castellet's looking really good. And, and and the way that other teams will look at Leicester at the top of the league, that's all very well and good. But if you've got a guy who is banging in the goals, that just adds a completely different level of fear for the opposition. So if all the goals are being shared around, great. But if you've got that guy who's not carrying the team on his own, everyone else is scoring, but if you've got that centre-forward who has scored... Six in six, and you're like, this guy's on for a a big season. He's going to score twenty plus, maybe even thirty goals. And if we've got that, that's just another badge to our sleeve, another thing that we've got to kind of worry the opposition. So I'll be looking at that, and hopefully that could be Ian Acho. It might even be Vardy. Who knows? But um, if we've got that, uh, it it would be great for Kalechi to score a couple, um, and and also. Because if he does stay, let's be positive, if he does stay, there will be bids for him. There will be a lot of talk about him. So maybe even he turns down offers, you never know. And But anyway, regardless of that, if he's still at Leicester and he walks out to, on the King Power um, on Saturday afternoon, he's then a Leicester player for the foreseeable future. So he's got the next X number of months before the January transfer window to be Leicester's main striker in a side that's unbeaten in the league and cup. So he must then go, right, hang on, now's time to switch on goal-scoring mode. He'll know that. Um, so it might be the case that you see a, a maybe even a more a more greedy Kelechi Inacho. Maybe he's been playing for the team. Maybe he's been, um, he was one of those six players and he's been integrating himself back into the system and into the good books of the manager and not playing within himself, but playing more selflessness self selfless even though he has that in him he's a I think he's a selfless player even though he can just turn and smash it from miles away and I don't mind that because we know what he can do um so yeah I'm I'm hoping Kelechi stays and I'm hoping he gets a couple of goals maybe even a, I'll, I'll sacrifice a 3-0 win for a 2-0 and a brace from Ianacho someone to really scare the opposition before we then go into games against Southampton and Norwich um 
just a word on, on on Southampton. It seems like every player linked with them have linked with us, etc. I think there's going to be quite a lot of movement in and out of that club as well uh, tomorrow. Love to see the back of Shea Adams as well. He can go to uh, a Premier League club, maybe Wolves by the looks of things. I think he's pretty much the sort of player that they could do with. Um, they are looking very good. Obviously, when we get to the preview of that game, um, I'll be able to bring a lot more information about Southampton. But uh, they've got They've got a lot going forward. They've got a lot going forward in this league. At the back, they look really ropey in a accurate football term. They look well ropey. <laughs> but um and maybe even by the time we play them, they maybe even lost one or two extra players. So we'll see. Put it this way, both teams to score absolutely nailed on in that game. So um but we'll see when that happens. Um a few more things, Rob. Um unless you want to just pick up on the back of that. No, no, no. Press on. Just, just away from Leicester. Um, now, disagree with me here, Rob, if you like. But I count myself as a fairly intelligent person when it comes to kind of the world of football. You know, everything else in the world, maybe not. But um, I don't understand how Chelsea can go around spending all this money. I don't understand. I know. Was it Simon Jordan the other day went on a kind of a, a rant about it saying that, yes, if you uh, subtract this and you divide it by the amount of paving slabs outside the ground and all this over the, the next 10 years on a contract, then it actually works out that they've only spent £3.42. No, like you cannot spend £600 million net over the course of a season and the summer transfer, not even two seasons. That's insane. I don't understand it. I it, it's it something's fundamentally wrong with FFP. If that's the case, it's absolutely ludicrous. They're buying everyone, every young player um, around. I mean, the Cole Palmer signing. If that goes through, I I don't understand it. Um, I can understand Chelsea buying him, but I don't understand why he would leave unless they're obviously waving two hundred grand a week and a probably an eight year deal which I know is difficult to turn down. Here's 250 grand, 200 grand a week, eight-year contracts or something silly. Even if you're at Man City, guaranteed trophies, you're going to go to Chelsea, do you do it? You know, your football head goes, no, you're playing for Manchester City, you're starting now for Manchester City, especially with Kevin De Bruyne out, you've got a very good chance of winning more Champions Leagues, etc., Chelsea at the moment are not going to win anything, but you're a young player and you, you're guaranteed set for life multi-millionaire with this deal. You can understand it. But anyway, Chelsea, and I don't know where you saw this, um, have removed the bus uh, service, essentially. Uh, they subsidised the bus service, which costs £250,000 for the entire year, and they've removed this because it's not financially sustainable. I don't think in my, I there's there's been a million and twelve awful football stories since I've been around, and when I mean awful, I mean like bad takes and terrible decisions by boards, players, interviews of players, you know, terrible things. This has to be one of the most ludicrous things that's ever happened in the Premier League for a club to spend six hundred million pounds net. In the space of essentially a year, that's what we're talking about, a year, maybe even 13 months, and then to turn around and go, we're not going to subsidise the buses for away travel anymore for the fans because 250 grand is not 
financially sustainable for an entire year. I can't think of anything more ludicrous in all my life. Now, you're talking about a fan base who, quite frankly, deserve it. But there you go. That's a different story. I, I know we're, we're talking about Chelsea here and it doesn't really, you know, Chelsea and Leicester, what are you going to say over the years? But how bonkers and out of touch is that? It's bizarre, isn't it? It, it makes the supporters feel so insignificant uh, as a part of a club. It's a bloke who, you know, he's he's got the spending power or, you know, he's these Saudi investors in his company have got the spending power, wherever the money's coming from. It is a ridiculous amount of money to consistently be spending. If you look at what they've spent over the last couple of windows as well, it's not a... that The model that they've got financially in terms of buying players and, you know, they had to make a new rule recently to stop Chelsea from signing players on ridiculously long contracts. And now there's a limit on that. That's basically born from the fact that Chelsea were, were taking the mick and giving them all these ridiculous contracts to try and get round financial fair play because they were sort of splitting the payments over those years and that's how they were getting away with, or trying to get away with it uh, per financial year. So it the whole way that that club is being run is just an absolute joke. Look, it's happening, you know, you could argue that it's happened at, at other clubs like Manchester City, etc. And, and yes, money in football is, is daft. I, I completely agree with that. And money usually wins you trophies if it's spent spent well and if the investment goes right through the club, as Man City have done it, they're, they're an unbelievable model. Uh, would they be there without that cash? No, of course they wouldn't. That's just the fact of life. But Chelsea spent a ridiculous amount of money on managers, players, whatever, over the last couple of years. And they have been absolutely terrible on the football pitch. And now they've gone and spent loads more money on a new manager and then he's gone I want this player that player this player that player and then probably somebody else at the club in the recruitment team's gone oh how about this one he goes yeah go on then and then all of a sudden you've spent 600 million pounds and somebody goes oh yeah quarter of a million for a uh, for bus travel for the year for our loyal supporters who are following us up and down the country nah it's daft and and we we speak from a sort of um sort of incredulous point of view really here Pete because you and I are both massive advocates for accessibility in football um, we started our broadcasting careers 10 years ago as volunteer commentators to provide audio description at Leicester City Football Club that's essentially that well that is how we met that's how we got into the industry but it's something that we're still very passionate about and that we do as much of as we can and you get constantly you'd phone up clubs and say here we can offer you this audio descriptive service. It will make your it will, it will make your match day experience much more accessible to supporters. It's only going to cost you a tiny, tiny, tiny amount. We're talking a few grand, right? And they say no, we haven't got the money for it. And then the next day they go and spend twenty odd million pound on a player, and you just your mind is absolutely blown because yes, I understand that you can't spend loads and loads and loads of money on making everything accessible for everybody you should but you know the real reality is they're not going to but i can't remember which club it was but that genuinely happened once um 
the boss, Alan March, had a conversation with the club. They said, no, we haven't got money for that kind of system. We are talking a couple of thousand pounds, people. And then the next day they went and signed somebody in double figures worth of millions of pounds. And it's just, I know it comes from different pots of money. And I know that that audio description is not going to be an investment on the pitch or make them any money. But come on, for a few grand and here for a quarter of a million, which is a drop in the ocean of what Chelsea has spent recently. It's madness. And and you look back at what you said earlier, Pete, about the fact that Leicester are in profit from this transfer window and have invested heavily in the training ground and have always put the fans at the forefront of their decision-making and made the fans feel part of a sort of family club. And, you know, we're, we're very, very grateful to be supporters of Leicester rather than Chelsea for many reasons. It's, it's, yeah, I, forgot about that the uh, I can't remember I can't remember the club at all um I'm very tempted to text Alan actually but no 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 we won't obviously name them but yeah that happened the next day they signed someone for 10 million or more um I, it's I can't get my head around it and I know we're in the championship now and we'll kind of come back to Leicester but there's a few guys who support Chelsea at work and one of them um who's a, a bit older called Pete like nice nice boat knows his football inside out you know um, great to talk to about football because he he's really is quite sharp and funny he, for a Chelsea fan. I know it's quite rare, but you know he's quite sharp. Um, but he turned round right and said, genuinely, he goes, "I'm not bothered anymore." He goes, "I'll support them and I want them to win and I'll all that." He goes, "But if anyone mentions any signings, he goes, I'm just going to watch who runs out on the pitch." He goes, They'll buy someone for forty million pounds, and I'm not bothered because there'll be another one next week. He goes, "It's too, this, it's too much. You can't get excited by a signing like you, you've just gone and bought a player. It was, I think it was Mavadidi at the time, and it was like, right, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm looking at clips of him online. I'm finding out about him. I'm talking to people about him. Is he going to be good? Is he going to fit the system? Oh, it turns out it's uh, someone says he's a good egg. Da 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 da. All that sort of thing that we're doing right now." You're getting excited. It's part of being a football fan, isn't it? And he, there's him going, we've just signed a player who, quite frankly, didn't know existed. And we've signed him for £34 million on a seven-year contract from Monaco. And I'm completely indifferent to it. I'm like, I don't care because there's just too many. We've spent too much. Um, I, it's, I don't quite know how it's going to end, but I, I just feel in the Premier League... And I'm still, because of my job, etc., I'm still keeping tabs on the Premier League. It's, it's actually very weird. I thought it was going to be fine. No, it's actually very weird listening to podcasts, following the Premier League, watching the Premier League, um, you know, hearing um, Peter Jury's commentator on Sky Sports. And I'm like, well, hang on, when's Leicester going to be on and all that sort of thing? It's, it's very strange from a Leicester point of view. But because of my job, etc., need to keep abreast of what's going on. It's a hard thing to do, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> oh dear, you know, poor me. But it is, I just feel in the world of football, there is, and what I'm getting to is, there's a story called Chelsea that are bubbling underneath. And I can only think will explode at some point. I can't understand how. We all thought this was going to be Newcastle when they were bought by Saudi Arabia. Well, you mentioned, you let the cat out of the bag, you, the elephant in the room, the fact that Chelsea are owned by Saudi Arabia. Let's get it right, they are. Um, there's going to, I can't see this. It can't carry on. Who are they going to sign tomorrow? They need, there's, this is going to go bang at some point. And I think there's going to be a huge story at Chelsea in the next few years of this being 
of going wrong big time. Don't, I don't care about what happens on the pitch. They could carry. They could start winning everything. It doesn't matter. I, I can't see how this ends well. Um, and also, the person in charge. We were... And you have to be sceptical about new owners. Are they in it for the long haul? Are they this guy's got no track record of, say, football per se. Yes, sports teams, but... If it doesn't go right on the pitch, does it? Does he turn around and go right? No, this is this is not for me anymore. Who takes it over? Yeah, people will be interested, but you're carrying all what they've just done. It's it, I, I can't. I, I can see this developing into a huge story. You know, I might, might have got the wrong end of the stick, but anyway, back to the, the the coach thing. I think it's dreadful. And if I was a Chelsea fan, it. I couldn't think of something... Leicester have made some very strange decisions as a football club. Nothing to do with the playing staff or anything on the pitch, but off the field. They've made some weird decisions over the last few years. And it seems like they're not entirely sure which direction they've wanted to go on a number of things. And they've been quite slow in reacting to a few. Um, To do with tickets, to do with um, singing sections, to do with... Uh, an awful lot about match day experience, etc. And hopefully they will correct themselves. And sometimes you can kind of let things pass, but they've made some some dodgy decisions. I think if the, if this was done by Leicester, um, and we were in the Premier League, let's get it right. If we survived in the Premier League, imagine if this decision, if if Leicester had this implemented, and this was basically cancelled because of the cost. Just imagine how incredulous you'll be as a football fan I, I think it's dreadful it's one of the worst things I've heard in ages but there you go it's, it's um, I've, I've you know, got that off my chest um, any other business Rob? No I think what we need to do is uh, is call it a day and you to go and have a sit down and a breather mate love, love a Pete rant especially when it's not about Leicester it's even better the more you think about it the more bonkers it is but anyway right um, FPL because we've we've started the FPL oh God, I've been awful. Right. Um, I don't know where you're going to do the music, Rob. You can't do Let's do the top 10. First time I've seen this top 10, by the way, because I'm so poor. I'm right down in, in, amongst you, Rob. Um, <laughs> so this is the first time I've seen this top 10. So um, the pronunciations will be all over the place. Joint. Oh, my God. Joint 10th place. There's three teams. Queen Power Foxes, Lord of the Ings, and Ravsacks. I'll just do the team names. Uh, all on 191 points. By the way, Ravsacks, Max Magnuson, 91 points last week. Wow, that's an excellent effort. Uh, ninth place, um, Lingardium Leviosa. Excellent name. Uh, Bruce Tolly. No, Bruce. Um, 192 points. Uh, and then we've got tied one, two, three, four joint fifth places. Uh, you got Wall Cottage Cheese, excellent, Jack Wright, 194. Um, Dubsuza FC from Gabriel D'Souza. Uh, you got Inter Night Garden, oh, these are great names, uh, from Sam Smith. And you got Eve Sun uh, Saint Laurent from uh, Mukhtar Sadiq, uh, so that's uh, another good name as well. Fourth place, um, Paqueta Rice uh, from Matt Hatson is uh, 194. So he's in the same amount of points, but. Um, in fourth place, 195 in second, uh, Will Lose Be Control Alt Delic. Oh, yeah, these are some great names. And uh, Brendan's agent uh, is in second place, uh, Jamie Clover 195. And How I Met Your Matter, <laughs> Jack Flanagan 197, top of the league. 
Yeah, some brilliant team names. How about that? Uh, the first time I read them, as you can tell, by stumbling over everything. Uh, but yeah, some absolute crackers. Rob, I've got no idea where you are. I'm scrolling all the way down. It's dreadful. 104th uh, for championship better than Prem. Kind of that arrow uh, for me. Um, 41 points. 156. Yeah, I've got a good team, but it's just not fired right. So it's not quite quite gone to plan as yet but uh, I'm hovering over the wild card button not for this week but for next week uh, Rob Hayes I have no idea where you are you'll have to look further down as usual uh, I also got <laughs> I also got 41 this week but I, I'm like you I think I've got a decent team otherwise I wouldn't have picked them obviously but uh, not quite hitting the mark at the moment I'm down at 158th place on 133 so Indiana. absolutely miles away from anything and I've called my team Leicester City FC because I thought we needed some representation in the Premier League and I'm performing as well in FPL as Leicester did in last year's Premier League so maybe I shouldn't have called my team that maybe I've cursed it oh well we'll see the top 10 by the way when you read them out there could have been the top 10 of best names in the league for us this this season there's some some very original ones in there a couple that i've heard before but most of those were were really very good so hats off to you for being in the top 10 points wise and and credit where credit's due for the names as well yeah i presume sam smith has actually done really well because he's actually down into fifth at this early stage so he's obviously done well previously um into night garden so he's obviously got little kids but yeah some really good uh, how i met your matter lingardium levio so that's a really good one by bruce um. Yeah, some paquetta rice. You know, obviously they didn't play from them rice, but they, yeah, yeah, some really, really good stuff. Um. Anyway, that's the fancy football, uh, FPL. And uh, don't worry, I'm up into the top twenty or so. Never broken that top ten. I've always been. I think I was like thirteenth one year. But anyway, uh, we'll be back uh, next week talking all things FPL. Um. I presume everything's a okay with you, Rob. Next week, as we do a bit of a production meeting on air, I go away. Word of warning, this time next week, I'm hopefully be able to do the podcast. I'm fortunate enough to be going to the Invictus Games in uh, in Dusseldorf, so uh, so that'll be good. And hopefully in the evening, um, should be all right to do the pod. But uh, yeah, so that'll be good in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, yeah, next week we've got, uh, hopefully, on the back of another win. But uh, you should be all right, Rob. Absolutely, yeah. Anything post... Uh... Post a two-two draw at Hull, so I can come in and uh, claim my correct score prediction. Yeah, I'm I'm there for. So we'll we'll speak next week. Yeah, should be absolutely okay. Back to normal as usual, even with me going away. That should be absolutely no problem at all. Um, but yeah, get in contact with the podcast at FFS Pod, and you can get in contact with us via Twitter. So just make sure you give us a follow, and then you can send us messages. We try and look at the direct messages. Sometimes uh, it takes a while, just by you know sheer not looking at it by uh, on your mobile occasionally and then you go oh, i've not looked at it for a while and for instance during this podcast um john o'towers who uh, uh sends his messages quite often on twitter he says when's the next podcast out guys i said well actually a couple of hours um so yeah send us any questions on there or any points or any criticism whatever you want to say uh, also for fox 8 podcast at gmail.com uh if you want to email us and if you go to facebook type in for fox 8 podcast and you can find us on there uh, so that's it for the podcast. It's been uh, it's been interesting. It's been good talking about some new players. We'll see how they get on. Very exciting to have what two new players, two new wingers. That okay, we've seen forty five minutes off, but we'll see in the first league game. So two new exciting wingers making well, hopefully make their league debut in a home match. That's that that is tremendously exciting. But who knows who's going to be in the squad because. 
We've got the transfer window closing tomorrow night. Hopefully, if the outs are out, it might be someone like Dakar and a few quid coming in. But if the uh, the outs are some other players, mm, you never know who's going to come in. Plenty to look forward to. And uh, I think Leicester's name may well be on those uh, transfer window shows That'll be uh, everyone glued to over the next uh, 24 hours or so. So hopefully it works out for us. Hopefully it works out on Saturday. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>